0: All right. Okay, we're ready. Parches Noah. Here we are. Ready to get started. We're starting from chapter nine. No, that's not true. Chapter six, verse nine. Okay, that's where it all starts. We missed Voracious. A lot happened in Voracious. We've covered a bunch of thousand plus years, almost almost uh, sixteen hundred years of world history, um, biblical years, and now we're starting. We're introducing Noah. Noah was actually introduced to us last week, the end of the parasha, last week, the end of Horatius, where we talk about we have the count of all the families and the genealogy and how we count, blah, blah, blah. So we have that Noah is born and um, he's named Noah, which means a comfort because he is going to comfort the, the world. He starts to be, he's the first one that uh, creates some kind of implements to work the land um, and, and, the last week Parsha ends off that says that um I don't know the end of last week's Torah portion is that Hashem sees that the world has gotten terrible and horrible. And he says he, he regrets the Hashem. This is in chapter six, verse six. Hashem regrets that he created the world and he says he's going to to destroy it all. And the and part and finishes Sorry. So what happens when you don't know, teach for a while? Triple um, And the last year's Torah portion ends. <laughs> Noach finds favor in the eyes of God, and now this week's parsha starts off again, introducing us again to Noach and telling us what's going on. It tells us these are the children of Noach. Noach was a righteous person. Tamim hayabedorotel. He was. In, he was righteous in this generation. He walked with God, and he has three sons. Blah blah blah. Here's a spoiler. There's a big flood in this parsha. Okay. I don't know if you know you you got that one. So the majority of the parsha is going to be talking about Noah and the flood and the aftermath of the flood. That's the first six. It's it's talking about and I think that I I want to go through it a little bit more in detail. and find. I know this is a very familiar story to a lot of people. There are certain things that are very important that we need to kind of repeat and, and highlight. And then there's some other stuff that I want to share. Um, the first question that I want to actually raise is talk, it, described, it gives two words to describe Noach. Sadiq and Tamim. Righteous person and Tamim. A wholesome a complete person. And and the question person. Um, and, and, you know, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know what the answer is. Thoughts, thoughts. What do you think about this?
1: No thoughts? An
0: interesting thing, just to kind of put into the equation, is that on Shabbos, when we make hamotzi, if you have a delicious loaf of bread that's open, and a small loaf of bread, or maybe one that's not as good, but it's a complete loaf, which do we make a bracha on? We make a bracha on the complete loaf. But there is something very... I don't know what that is. You know, there's something very special about that place of being complete. You might not be the best in the in the whole country. You might not be the best, but that sincerity and its wholesomeness is something that's a very, very precious. It's a very precious commodity. Um, so Noah has three children. And... Um, Anybody have any idea how old Noah is right now? So, no, he's actually not 90, right? If you would have looked at the last week's parsha, where people were living like these crazy long lives, they're having kids at 100 or 90 or whatever, those are the years they're having, they're having children. Noah is actually 500 years old. He's going to live a grand total of 950 years. And when he's actually, more exactly, he's when he's 480 years old, He's going to get this question.
1: what did you say? How old was he?
0: Our yeah. story opens up. He's five hundred years, four hundred eighty years old. He's four hundred eighty years old. Because when he's four hundred eighty years old, he gets a command from God um, to anybody. What's what's his command? Verse thirteen. Hashem says, "Tnach, the end of all living beings has come before me. Build an ark. Lecha Go for, make for yourself." This this uh, box. It's actually an unusual word in Torah for a ship or a boat or some kind of floating situation. Of, of gopher wood, make it with rooms. Now, it's interesting. We didn't hear about the flood yet. This is this commandment to build the to build the ark is coming before we know why we need a why we need an ark. Because if Hashem said everybody's terrible, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to flood it out. Then he says build an ark. So we get. What's coming on? Like it's a, it's going to be a, a way to save yourself from the flood, right? So he, and when he's 480 years old, he's going to get this commandment. Hashan tells him it's going to take him 120 years to build this ark. 120 years. Now, in the conversation, the commentators talk about tevat gofer, gofer, make yourself this Teva. They want to know what's the deal with the Lecha? Why do you have to do it for yourself? And there's all different kinds of commentary. Look into Rashi for a second. Rashi says um, in, in verse 14, Hashem has many, many ways to, to, save, to save him. Why does he bother Noah for this? Why does he bother him to do this? And what's, what is Rashi's answer? People should see him. They should see what he's doing. And they should ask him, what are you doing? Why, why do this? And he will say that Hashem's going to bring a Mabel and we're going to, you know, and maybe maybe people do tshuva. So, so, so Rashi immediately says that if there's something, Noah is somehow being given a charge to do something that's going to change the world, hopefully. If if he does this construction properly, then verse seventeen that I'm going to be a flood is never going to come to pass. If he change if he does his job properly, sorry, I had a question.
1: Yeah, was it also for him to kind of also as a test to trust Hashem, the because the Hashem didn't tell him that there was going to be a flood?
0: It no, it's going to come very soon. soon. It's going to be a few verses. It's it's not in years. He's not going to come in years. It's going to come in verse seventeen. You know, a couple of, he gives a couple of, of instructions. After- no, he does it. It says, Hashem said, here, okay, this is what you should do, right? We know, the dimensions of the ark, it's going to be, the target is very, very clear. dimensions, three, it's going to be three, 300, amas, 300 amas long. An ama is about, we don't have one exact number, but it's between 18 inches and some go as high as almost 23 or 24. I don't know in centimeters going to be it's going to be very big it's but very big and very not very big has anybody ever been on a cruise ship and they look really big and then they actually are not so 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 big when you spend extend, extended amounts of time over there so we're talking about 300 almas is going to be 450 feet long oh it's what's that a, a football field a football field and a half it's like it's it's big but not we're going to see that they're going to end up spending a whole year on this boat we're going to get into this. It's going to be a very—it's for what it's going to end up being. It's not going to be so big, but no, oh, has to. There's something he has. Is charging has to do it all by himself. Oh, pause a second. I forgot. I want to start this class. I want to remind so we're doing this learning as a for a for Shleima for Gantisir Bas and also for an Elias Neshama today's yard site of Altishul Bas Hindel and Yisuf So I wanted to have the learning to be both in her memory and as as we separate from. People are alive and people are not alive, and as a refu shleima for Yentesa Sarah or Sarah, but that's just nice. Sarah. But that's nice. okay. Um, uh, so then there's going to be this place that Noah. You know. So I'm thinking about this. You know, as I'm preparing the class, I'm thinking, myself, you know, how do we mention this yesterday in class? to drop, but when I popped into your class, like how do we look at Noah? You know, it's very easy to be smug off when we look at him from 2021 and say, We would have done it differently. You know, how do you judge it? Like, it's easy to look at him. He, he's not, it, he, he's complicated. He's complicated. And there's a way you would look at it and say, like, Well, you know, God himself told him, blah, 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 blah. blah. What do he end up, you know? I think we have to like be able to look at him and reserve judgment at the same time. It's going to be not so not so easy to do that because you look at this and you're like, whoa, what's going on here, you know? But
1: exactly. you
0: can judge before. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, we look at Noah, and when we're going to look at his story, and we're going to say, and we're going to come up, was he good? Was he not good? Was he all these things? I want to remind all of us that with all of the things that we're going to say he could have and should have done better, which we're going to get into in a second, he still was way better than any of us, right? God himself writes about Noah that he's a tzaddik. You want to say he has this issue, he has that issue, he wasn't as good as this one, he could have been better than that one. God writes in Torah that Noah was a tzaddik. So when we look at him and his story, and it is a complicated story, and it is a maybe uncomfortable story at some points. I think that's something that we need to bear in mind when we talk about this, you know, uh, when we talk about Noah. So um, one other thing, which I think is very interesting, like in the last week's partial, we have this count of the generations. So it tells us about this person, and the Torah says, and then he was not there doesn't say that he lived out his four years and he passed away. And Rashi says, because Hashem saw the direction that the world was going in and knew that Hanokh would not uh, feel well if he continued to live in the world. so Hashem took him earlier so that he wouldn't end up getting corrupted. So Noah is going to live in a very, very, very harsh generation. They are, they are engaged in all kinds of things that are not nice and not good. And, and, and there's this place where he, in spite of being around all those people, is still keeping this place of tzaddik, he's keeping this place of tamim, this place of wholesomeness, in spite of what's going on all around him. Question? No? Okay, yes?
1: I was just wondering, but I guess we'll get into what was exactly that can be judged. Like, what are what the things that can be judged before the final? Because I know after he did questionable things, but before, what is that? We, Listen, that
0: okay, so here's the big question. So now we'll go, Hashem's going to tell him to build this ark. It's going to be this big. It's going to have this many floors. You're going to have rooms for the animals, right? Tasha? it's going to keep going. It has pitch inside and outside. It has to be very, very water, waterproof. And I'm going to bring this flood and blah, 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 right? And then take okay, all the animals, that that right? The first thing that we're going to say and that, 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 that the sages actually hold him responsible for was, where was his protest? Hashem says, I'm coming to destroy the world. Where was his protest? And say, well, God, Rilach really is going to end up following the instructions that Hashem gives him. He says, I'm giving you a 120-year project. Okay, now we know that at the end of the flood, Hashem is going to actually limit the lifespan of a person to 120 years. We don't, you know, that expression, 120 years, it's Going to be found first in partial Noah at the end of the flood. People beforehand are living crazy, crazy long lives. Like we said, no end up living 950 years. That's a very, very, very long time. So, but even so, even if you live 950 years, 120 years is a very big project. It's a big chunk of time. It's not like take a week at you know, take a week and and, and rig this up. 120 years is a big thing, and the measure says doesn't take 120 years to build a boat. He has to go back to Lecha, He has to do everything on his own. Noah starts and Measure says first, he planted trees. And people said, why are you planting trees? He's like, because God is gonna bring a flood and destroy the world. And I'm gonna build a boat from these when they grow and they become trees. And then as these trees grow and become bigger, then Noah's going to then become a lumberjack and he's going to cut down the trees and he's gonna make them into boards. He has to do, when he says, make yourself the boat, some of the commentaries talk about that he has to own all of the materials. It has to be his own project. He has to do all of it himself. Most of the commentaries agree that his son Shane helped him with the construction. So two people, it's still a big project, including planting the forest and taking care of growing the forest and growing the trees. You need long, 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 you know, boards. So you're not going to go to a Home Depot and get a bunch of two by fours and, and, and you know make a thing. You have to like do everything. And then you have to figure out how do we make pitch and how do we do this and how do we keep it together? So all of that, Hashem is giving him opportunity after opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity to engage in people. And when they're going to say, why are you changing your career again? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? What's going on? It wasn't like just put up the boat. It sits in your in your yard for hundred years, and you just become the weirdo with a big boat in your yard. You know, he's constantly going to be involved in this. He's going to be involved, and in he's going to be doing this and to change this and he's try this and this. and he did everything that Hashem asked him to do. He didn't not do what Hashem asked him to do, and yet, and yet, in hundred twenty years, how many people did he convince of his cause? Not one. Not one in 120 years of interactions with people, and we have to assume that there were interactions, even if they were only coming and you know, oh, look at all the up to now, you know, like how did he and it wasn't that he didn't speak, you know, we don't hear that he didn't speak to people, but but you know, this was his job. Hashem said, Build an ark at the end of the day, he was going to be okay, his family was going to be okay, you know, and Sorry. So that that's the first thing that that the conversation and stages for sure say, whoa, whoa, whoa. How does Noah you know kind of just get on that boat and 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 leave everybody behind? A little bit like yeah, like like even either he didn't care about them or B, you know, today we'd say he needs better marketing team. Or he needed a, you know, like he had no presence on Instagram, so I of course didn't find it. Um, it. I don't know that it was even that he didn't care about them, but you know, sometimes we have we we look at mitzvahs, and it's like I have to do it. Okay, I did it. I did it. I did it. And sometimes you find people who just <gasps> are so excited to do a mitzvah, and that's really what we're looking at. No, he did what he was supposed to do. Hashem said build an ark. He said build an ark.
1: You know.
0: He did it. He did all those things. He didn't not do it. He wasn't not faithful to what Hashem asked him to do. He did what he was supposed to do. But it was like his job. He checked it off, checked off the boxes. And that's how it came across. If he would have been more passionate, if it would have been his life, you know, you could, you could, you, one could say, I haven't seen it, but one could say he had a lifetime to change the world. He had 120 years to make a difference in the world. And he didn't. And he didn't. Now, that's the one hand. On the other hand, he's going to hold the seeds of regeneration with him. That boat is going to save humanity. Everybody that we know today is B'nai Noth. We are all children of Noth because all of us and all the animals and all the seeds, he took all of those onto the boat. He took seeds and saplings and everything that you would need to replant and repopulate the world. So, in our in our jump to criticize, we have to also give credit to what's going on. Yeah. It's it
1: because like you don't
0: know. Perhaps I'm specifically told him to like ask the people. You know. And, and,
1: and but he went. Again, he goes. Right,
0: and, and does. And did the people listen? Yeah. They did listen, Noach. you know, we could argue, we finish your sentence, sorry. I know, there's
1: another comparison that you're speaking, So
0: One of the things that we're going to learn from in the conversation about Noah is also that question of where do we, like at what point can we say, nobody's going to listen anyway. Noah lived with, in a terrible, terrible generation. It, the, it had gotten so bad that God's like, I... I'm done with these people. I'm done with this world. I'm done with the animals. I'm done with everything. You're not talking that we have a nice receptive crowd here and it's like, oh, they're all inspired and you just have to. But at the same time, how do you know it's not going to work if you didn't actually try? You know, when we talk about Rashi in the beginning talks about Noah being a tzaddik and it says that in his generation he was a tzaddik, but put him in another generation, he wouldn't have been so righteous. And, and, and all the kinds of roles Since when do we talk negatively about people and why are we saying, why are you bringing negative options for enough? And really one of the things that they talk talks about is that it's a comforting for we don't have to be perfect in order to make it forever. Then you can make a change. It's like, no, you don't have to be perfect. So there's the places that we can learn from the And I think that we do have to learn from the a place of, of, the, like the roots of regeneration really come with Noah and from Noah with all the complication of there that's involved over there. But at the same time, we have to like, do we really want to do it the way he did it? You know, because his vision was a wasn't one hundred percent successful. You know, like if the if the point was the point was to convince people of what was going on, he clearly didn't do a very good job. So Hashem didn't say that to him directly. He didn't. He said, "Build an ark and put on the people and everything. He did. So he did what he was told to do. But if you were to think a little bit into what, first of all, in the Torah we know that Hashem, Hashem didn't say it to him because we don't see it in the Torah. But the question is, um, again, first of all, there are hints of it. This, you build a te- an ark for you, and there's there's little hints of him being responsible for it. But even if Hashem never ever told him. The, the place of what happens to Abraham when Hashem says, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Terrible, terrible. Five cities are terrible. They're immoral. And they're they're really bad people. What's Abraham's response to them?
1: There must be a few.
0: There's got to be somebody. And he starts praying. They, what they they, what they and he starts praying. Now, in the end, there weren't.
1: And he walks away also, right? Um, there are like different, different levels of prof- prophetic like receipts. So maybe Noah wasn't at the level of Abraham there he didn't receive as deep explanations as Abraham, so he didn't know
0: what if we just yes correct i'm not disagreeing but if we just look in the psukin what does it say in the torah hashem says to Noah, i'm gonna the world i'm tired of this world i'm going to destroy the world build an ark and save yourself and save your family and save save the animals and plants. And he goes ahead and he builds himself an ark and he saves his family and his plants and the animals. He does that. Hashem says to Avram, I'm going to destroy Sodom. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How could you destroy Sodom? Meaning in the Torah communication, we don't see any difference. In the back, we don't know what the back end is. You're right. Maybe Avram saw more, maybe Avram knew more. But I think that the question of, of, one of the things that we see happening in, you know, Rabbi Sachs talks about this a lot. Through Barachas and Noah, we see where people are learning responsibility. Right? We see this is something that's being taught to us as a as a, as a world. Adam and Chava, right? They eat from the from the tree of knowledge, and what's their response? What's their response? Hashem said, why did you eat from it? What does he say? No, he doesn't say we didn't eat. What did he say? She gave it to me. And he, she says to Chavo, Hashem says to why do you, and he's like, what did she say? It was a snake, it wasn't me, right? This, this place of personal responsibility is, is not. And then what happens? And then we have jump stories. Cain kills Abel. Hashem says to Cain, you know, what? You're, you, know, you're, you know, your brother's blood is cr- calling out to me. from the." So he doesn't say I didn't do it. He doesn't say I didn't kill him. What does he say? Am I my brother's keeper? By the way, as a parent, I say, absolutely, yes, you are in fact your brother's people, right? That place of, uh, I have a moral responsibility to my brother, to, to the other. Cain doesn't have that. He doesn't say, I didn't do it. He's like, like and so what? He doesn't see a, the moral issue with it. And with Noah, we're gonna get to the place of saying, how much am I responsible for the collective? How much are I responsible for other people? Not my brother, not my family, the other. And Noah also was like, he did what Hashem said, but at the end of the day, he didn't feel responsible enough for the rest of the world in order to be proactive enough to make a difference. He spends 120 years building the boat. He's involved, he's, you know, and, and at the end of the day, nobody comes on with him. Nobody's there with him, which is pretty, you know, it's a it's pretty strong statement of of what he he did to did do and at the same time I want to say as we as I am sitting here and thinking judgmentally about noah I'm like like you gotta kind of chill it a little bit because because he's still way better than I will ever be doesn't matter that he didn't in his particular uh um, mission it didn't work out so well but he's still very hard. i am saying for me, it's very hard to look at it and not be judgmental about what he did or didn't do. Question.
1: I feel like everybody mentions that generally we're very judgmental about Noah, but it's so interesting to me because the other, about we could be as judgmental, for example, Jacob, who favored one of his sons and therefore the whole Egypt thing happened. Right. So right. I think that's also like a huge thing, but nobody talks about it that much as Noah or basically we just like with hints that with hints we think that he was like not as
0: righteous right so it's interesting there is a way of looking looking at Torah and learning Torah today especially in Israel it's called Begol Hai Naim where you're looking at Torah like learn you know don't learn parenting skills from Yaakov and you know all this kind of stuff I have a very personally I have a very Hard time with that before work greater, and so we. if I think even we can't just say that he messed up. We have to be able to look deeper and say, but what was really going on, and what was happening over there, and what was you know what was what was uh, you know what was give me another layer to the story. Like, don't just leave it as like, he messed up. And I want to point that a couple of things. We're gonna to have to look in a you for that. Okay. Chapter seven starts where Hashem says to Noah to write his 120 years. He's built a project. He's now 600 years old. Okay. He's 600 years old. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Noah does not have children till until he's about 500 years old. So, and the Medrash talks about that Hashem didn't allow him to have children so that he wouldn't have had so many children who would potentially be wicked and die in the flood because because the 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 age of punishment back then, and it will begin messianic, is a hundred year old person is considered a child, right? If you're living nine hundred years, and a hundred is like, you know, that's the first you could start to be responsible for your behavior, right? If that, that's what's going on, so his children were all under a hundred years old, so they weren't eligible for punishment. Now I don't know what that means. So all the other people who are under 100 years, who are under hundred years old, and what happened to them? I mean, telling you what the measure says about why noah anyway noach comes Hashem says to come into the to the ark you and your children you and your sons are here because you're a righteous person one second where then you go seven okay um he's 600 years old okay so if you take a look in verse seven we have Noah Ubanav Noach and his sons and his wife and his wife's sons come with him into the ark Okay, so a couple of things we're gonna see. Okay. First, Rashi's gonna tell us in verse seven that the men and the women were separate in the ark in a time of such destruction, you don't get to engage in the comfort of a relationship with your spouse because the world is being destroyed. So they were not allowed to appropriate in the ark. Okay. And the second Rashi has, do you have does everybody have Rashi over here? You find Rashi? Yeah. Okay, so it says that he comes in because of the, the uh, the water, and so the, the plain text says that because it starts to rain, and so that's why he goes in. So so Rashi says over here that af he was of those of little faith, he believed but didn't really believe that the, that the that the, the marble was going to happen. Oh and he didn't go in until the water pushed him in. So the tire in our house is a, is a tire from the Rupchitzer. Rup and um, he was a student of the Chayzah of Lublin, of the Seer of Lublin. And he says that the punctuation in Rashi is off. And if you take a look at the, at the Rashi, we're going to reread the Rashi. And it says that, He had faith in those of little faith. The the he did not believe that the, the flood was going to ever come because he he really, really believed that the people were going to do chuva. And he really didn't believe that it was going to happen until it actually, actually happened. And that's, I think, one of the ways we have to really also look at Noah. You know, like, it's so easy to say, whoa, 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 but I think that the place of saying, he did it and he tried and he really, he believed in the people until the water said, dude, get into the boat. <laughs> You're going to drown if you don't get into the boat, just get into the boat already, right? That's one thing. And the other thing that Reb Levitsky talks about is like a kind of a different take on the same thing is that he didn't believe in himself. He didn't hit. He, he had very little faith in himself. He did not believe that people were going to listen to him. And that was what his big sin was. That he didn't believe that people would listen to what he has to say. And so he was, acting in that kind of, you know, like when you really believe in something and when you're kind of hesitant, which when you really believe it, like you don't care if somebody thinks you're crazy, you don't care if somebody thinks, but if you don't really believe that they're going to listen to you, you come at any given situation very, very, very differently. And that's really where Noah was, was starting from, according to the ladies of the tradition. But I really like that part of the rupture, sir. I, I, I love it because it gives such a twist on the on, on Naya, to, you know I remember as a kid we always grew up and oh no I'm such a tzaddi, such a father then you get a little older and you're like, hey, but 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 and then like they're up just as sort of Tyra to me because it, it allows me to to believe to believe in what was going on
1: um now it seems like he really put like as you said he didn't believe himself right that people listen to me it seems like he really put his ego on one side and only listen to what Hashem said it doesn't matter like what he thought his whole himself is not important. That's why he also didn't believe that others would believe him. Right. So
0: it does
1: seem like it's something to me.
0: Correct. I'm saying it's, it, the layers give us more nuance to it, meaning to put, let's say, we could argue the point, and I don't know, I, we don't have enough information to really argue. Is Noah somebody who's by nature an introvert? And therefore, it's too hard for him to step out of himself and and speak to other people. So whatever he does is more power to you, or he needs to be introverted to protect himself from the influences of this terrible, terrible generation. And and therefore, it becomes harder for him to interact with the people, you know, like either, either way, meaning, and, and your point, if he's able to put his ego aside or his introversion aside or whatever it is put it aside and he is reaching out to people to speak to people and he is listening to Hashem but at the same time he doesn't truly believe that they're going to listen to him because he doesn't believe in himself so hinders him like at the same time that which is going to be his strength that he's going past that is also going to be the thing that's going to stop him from going further it's, it's I, I, like, he's just really so, compl- so complicated. He's so relatable. I feel like, like, Noah is just so relatable because, because it's not easy. Whatever he's doing is not easy. And, and, and just imagine, you know, we don't hear about this. The Torah doesn't tell us that. What happens once they get on the flood, once they get on the ark? And we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but like, what happens when they're there and they're thinking about like the guy that they bought Pita from, and the woman who sold them flowers. Like, how do they feel about everybody who didn't make it on the ark? Like, I, I mean, you're right about who didn't make it, but but we're like that human place of what happens to them once they're on the ark, and they are busy because they're taking care of all the animals, but they're also not super super busy because you know, like they're there and they they're have a year, there's no place to go, there's no Wi-Fi. there's nothing to do except be there and to think and to be and to, you know, so like, where is that place of think? you know, like, how do they feel about what they left behind and then what they're gonna to come to afterwards becomes like, again, a, a complicated story over there.
1: It's, not a Jew.
0: it's It's a good question. According to, are there any Jews at this point? Well,
1: Here's the thing, because I always thought that like no, because Aurum was the first Jew, there were no Jews at this point. But then I was we were when I was talking with some of the girls and I said, no, not was a Jew, like there's some exceptions that they they weren't part of the Jewish nation, but they had like a copy soul.
0: Well everybody has everybody's gonna have some kind of soul. The question is do they have a more connected the question is the question of is how important is the label? Because according to whatever we know. Really, 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 the Jewish people only started um, as the first every. It's a monotheistic who is entitled entitled to a special soul of this monotheistic family. You could, you know, there was no way to convert to Judaism before Sinai. Either you were part of it or you weren't part of it. It was, you could live a godly kind of but you couldn't become Jewish, couldn't convert it. There was, you're saying the mechanism for Judaism wasn't there. So was Noah Jewish? Did he have a special soul? For sure he had a special soul, God speaking to him and he has a special soul. But is he Jewish becomes a much more complicated question because there aren't really gonna be Jews for another thousand plus years. Right, correct, but you again, Brik becomes for him and his children. It becomes a family. It's a family tradition as opposed to how can you join it? You know, it's not, how do you define what is Jewish? Like if being Jewish includes entry requirements, well, there aren't any before Sinai. You're the part of the family or not part of the family. Now you could be part of the entourage and be, Living a godly life, but you wouldn't—you're still not part of family, right? So,
1: terminology-wise, are we making a difference between B'nai Israel and Jewish?
0: They—they they actually are called both. So we,
1: we are, are called, not making a difference.
0: We are called correct. We're not B'nai Yisrael, which is essentially going to be only be the Jacob's children, and Am Israel, We're all. Yeah,
1: but, but for someone who converts, also we
0: go. I'm Israel. Israel, correct. Correct, correct, correct. Yes. So, what's the
1: question? So, is there a difference between you're saying Jewish or the, from the nation of Israel?
0: Well, the question is can he be part of a nation of Israel that doesn't exist? Can Avram be part of a nation of Israel that doesn't exist?
1: So Jewish is before. I don't know how it all works. So you all can be Jewish, you cannot be
0: No, 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 oh, I see that splitting, no, no. That's the same thing. That's gonna be the same thing. Yeah, I didn't realize that's where you were looking for the difference. Either, yeah. Um Bethesda. Oh man, shush, we're running out of time, okay. I want to close with the Teva for a second and i want going to go on to other things. First of all, um, the Baal talks about Teva as an unusual word for boat. Did we have this conversation already yet? Teva is also a word. Huh? Teva is nature. Teva is... No, Teva. Teva, no, no. Teva, here, how is it spelled? Let's see how it's spelled. I have it spelled differently. Teva is Tevekei. With vav, with a vav, and what was the other word you said? Is with an ayin at the end. A, a tet and an ayin. Um, um, a teva is Balshamta says is also a word, and Balshamta tells us, and the altar brings it down the to Torah, that you know Hashem says to Noyach to build this teva, and it will, and the water will lift the ark. Okay. Now, if you know you're going to have a flood, then to say we have to have some kind of boat situation makes sense. But the expression that this, that the water will lift the ark up, the al highlights. And he takes us a, t- a teaching from the Vashemtov and he says, what is a teva? A teva is also a word. And a teva is the words of Torah and Tfila, It's words of prayer that we need to we all live in worlds that are turbulent. Sometimes they're more turbulent, sometimes they're less turbulent. Sometimes we feel like we're being flooded out and sometimes we don't. But the, the, the antidote that the Baal Shem Tov gives us, that we have expounds on, is to go into the words of prayer, to go into the words of Torah, to create a box, to create a space. Well, it's not really a box, go into the words, go into this space, that is essentially protected space because the teva as noah had ends up being messianic we're going to find at the end of the at the end of the whole earth situation the whole flood they're in the ark for a year for almost a year i think a year short they're just under 10 days or over 10 days, whatever they're but they're like a year. There's 40 days of water, 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 water. And then we have a few months of stormy, and then it starts to settle down. They're in there for a year. And when the time comes out, comes when it comes time for them to leave, they wait for a, from for they wait for the word of God to say, Te Minhateva, leave the ark, go out of the ark. You think they'd all be running to get out of this box. How long have they been in there? They're ready to leave and and Hasidus explains that it was messianic in there. The animals were living in harmony. They were living in peace. There was a calm, there was a messianic calm in there and none of them wanted to go back out. Once we leave, we go back to our natures and we go back to fighting with each other and go back to the strongest ones win and the fittest and the best and and all that competitiveness. And even the animals didn't want to leave. And Hashem says to Noah, go, and if the animals don't want to leave you need to push them out of the ark because this space of protectedness is very very important but that's not where we're supposed to live the whole time you're supposed to go into the ark for whatever period of time whether it's every day we go into our prayer we go into that space before we go out and face the world and face the water and what's going to happen when we pour out our heart in prayer that's Water that that storminess, that uncertainty, the anxiety—we all. Any image you have of this kind of water that lifts up our prayers very high. It's the person who's like ragua, who's calm, who's the tzadik, who's praying—that's great. But the person who's drowning and needs this prayer to save themselves—that stormy water lifts their prayers even higher. then it takes this place of our prayer, it lifts it so it floats above our stress, above our anxiety. It's the cause of our frantic prayer is actually what elevates our prayer to such a deep level that we're able to be protected when we leave the ark, because that's the point. The point is not to stay in the ark. The point is not to say, I'm going to live in this little bubble of this reality that's not connected to the world. We all live in La La Land together and it's all beautiful and amazing. You need that space. You need to go into that space on a regular basis. Every day you need to go to that space. But you can't stay in that space. The point of making a home for God is that we, at the end, when the water receives enough and it's safe for us to go out, to know that we carry the protection of the Teva with us when we leave. And that's really what we need to take from Noah. We talk a lot about, uh, you know, the Jewish home being this Teva in the stormy world of craziness. And, and that's where the Aker this the, the mainstay of the house where the woman becomes the Noah, the tender of that space, of the, the nurturer and the taking care of it and making a space that... Everybody in that Teva is protected from whatever's going on outside. And one of the reasons, just some random segue, not really so so lightly, it's lightly relevant, is that what that's one of the reasons that the woman lights candles on Shabbos for the house because she's extending that protection to everybody who's in her space, whether or not whether or not they're actually under her roof at that time. And that's the power that the woman has, that she's extending that. That space. She extends her, her Teva all over. So I want to give us, we're doing not so well for time, actually. I want to give us, I want to give us all a braha, the first bracha, that we take the time. You know, now we're in a space that allows us to take space. You know, life has a way of getting hectic and getting busy. And now is a time where you do have designated space to go into prayer, to go into learning, to go into creating that space that's protected for you. And that is where our strength is. And that's how we leave. We, you know, when we need to go into our day, whether we're going into our day of learning or eventually when we leave the protected space of our time learning here and then go, both of those are true things. But I want to give us a bracha that we use the time, we use the space that we're given to create a holy space for ourselves that sort of protects us no matter where it is that we we are. Um, We still have five minutes. I'm going to talk about one other thing uh, like I said, most of the Parsha is going to talk about, is going to talk about the flood. The end of the Parsha is going to talk about the tower of Babel, right? The tower of Babel. Um, but I want to talk about for a second is actually, I want to talk about the rainbow Mm -hmm. because when they come out of the, when they come out of the ark and Hashem says, okay, I'm never going to destroy the world again. I'm that I'm I'm not, I got to come up with another plan. So what's the plan? I'm gonna show a rainbow. I'm gonna put a rainbow in the sky. I'm going to I'm going to put a rainbow when things are when I'm feeling like this is not such a good situation. I would like to destroy the world. I'm not going to. I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. And that will be a sign to the people that I'm keeping my promise. So I want to just say, first of all, little interesting random segue. In Jude, this seems to imply that in Jewish thought, rainbows are not. Uh, super amazed Like you don't want them hanging all over the place. They're a sign that Hashem would have brought destruction. This is my own two cents on the subject. I, you know, I'm not saying that, assuming that, but so we know that Hashem says I would have
1: brought destruction, but I'm not going to. I'm going to bring a rainbow instead. So, but why are we not supposed to discuss it if, if basically it's a sign for us that we're doing something wrong, so we can just point that? Hey, there is a sign. Right. That we're so we're doing the, something.
0: Right. Wrong. So there, so there is a conversation, as Sarah says, that if you are. First of all, we're only talking about natural rainbows that happen in the sky. We're not talking about the colored stuff that come in the you know, gasoline and the water. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the, the actual, the actual natural rainbows that happen. And you're on a personal sign. If you, whoever sees it, is posted, it. and whoever doesn't see it, don't point it out to them. That's why we don't. That's the question I'm not going to get out. Which is kind of tied into, and this is something that we that running a time, I'm just like stressing my um, time. Uh, between we have the okay. I'll get me to get back to that. Yeah. Question about the rainbow. So first of all, some of the commentators talk about that the issue with the rainbow or the sign of the rainbow is not the colors, but it's the shape. That if the people thought that God is angry at them, that's like a bow and arrow pointing down to the people. Hashem says, "I'm flipping the shape, so it's like the bow is pointing up." To Hashem, I'm not angry at you. Picture a rainbow, right? So that the, if you had a bow and arrow, now pointing it up. Hashem's like, "I'm not angry at you. I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not in destructive mode." So that, that's one thing that I saw that I thought was very interesting. The other thing is very interesting. Wait,
1: so then, what, what would that? Like, what would you mean with that? Does that mean that it's still a sign
0: that God is angry? Yes, but he's not going to destroy. I mean, the arrow isn't pointed down to us. Hashem's like.
1: Okay, but it's still the same. Correct. I no,
0: mean- yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah, correct. It's still the same. It's still the same thing. But I want to, but Hasidus talks about another thing. I just thought it was interesting. That's why I should share that. Hasidus talks about another thing. And the question is the jury is out whether this is ever the is, is this the first rainbow in history? Okay, Have are there rainbows pre flood? Or are there not? So we're going to go with the opinion that there were no rainbows be- before the flood. Okay. And the question is what causes a rainbow? What is the natural phenomena that causes a rainbow? Light.
1: Light through the water vapor
0: and it's refracted and it's refracted out. It means that the water has to be clear enough that the refract the light is going to refract that it's going to come and it's going to bounce out and we're going to get it as color. Right. Right. Pre-flood, we have a very interesting phenomenon in the world. Forget about the rainbow for a second. People, the first thousand years, people are living crazy, crazy long lives. They're living 900 plus years. The babies are living 800 and something years. They're living crazy, crazy long lives. Well, what do we find happens when the people mess up? They don't have the potential for tshuva. They only can do, they can receive from Hashem. They can't go back to Hashem. As long as they're listening to Hashem, they're receiving what Hashem wants to give them and they are saying, come give it to us. Then everything's good. And they have, and it's, re- and it's reflected in very, very long lives very, very tall people. It's it's considered like just very, very, everything's very, very long life, big people, big, everything's very, very big. As soon as they turn away from Hashem, there's no way for them to turn back. That's a pre-flood condition. What happens during the flood? Hasidus talks about the idea we have 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And it's like Hashem takes the whole world and puts it into a mikvah. Right, we've had this conversation before, and, has, and and the Medrash actually says that I think three cubits of earth also get churned up. Like it was it was a, the world itself. When Adam and Hava were, were when Adam and Hava were created, they're told to to have children, uh, and they're told to to, uh, to to conquer the world. When other, when when Noah and his wife, anybody know who Noah Noah's wife is who's Noah's wife? Her name is Naama. Nama,
1: parenthetically, she was about a thousand years older than me, just saying.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So so when Noah and Nama and the children come out of the ark, they're told to to multiply and to fill the land. They're not given the the mandate to conquer anymore because the world is not antagonistic to God anymore. The world itself has changed. The world has thinned, And the world pre-flood is considered opaque. And if you have an opaque layer of light nothing is re- an opaque layer of water nothing's refracting back out of it nothing is going back that place of being able to react to hashem also has a physical manifestation and the physical manifestation is that there is no rainbow that this was the first rainbow ever in a in relationship with hashem where it's hashem giving and we take and we agree and as soon as we don't agree we're done there is no place for a rainbow. We don't refract. We don't have any relationship. We don't have any conversation. And the fact that we today we do have rainbows is a symbol of the relationship that we have with Hashem that we might not live as long as them. We might not be as tall as them. But when we mess up, we can say to Hashem, we're sorry, we're going to do it better. We're going to refract the light back. We're going to say, we're not, this relationship isn't over. I messed up. Things were not okay but I'm still in this relationship and I still want to fix it up and I still want to connect to you in a deep and a real way. And, and I just, I wanted to like, I felt it's like such a, an important thing for us to remember, like this place of, we go through life, we try to do the best that we can. We, 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 and then we say, okay, from now on, we're going to do a little bit more than we think we can because maybe more people are receptive to, to what we have to say. And at the end of the day, when things don't go hundred percent, according to plan and Newsflash, <laughs> very often doesn't go according to plan. And we end up doing things or being someplace that we end up being there or saying that or doing that. We don't say, oh, it's all lost. I'm going to be wiped off the face of the earth now. We have this place to come back to Hashem, to return to Hashem. And that's really what the sign of the rainbow is. The sign of the rainbow is Hashem saying to us, children, come back. I want you to. I want you to come back. I want you to still be in a relationship with me. I want you to be here with me. So I want to give us a bracha. It's today's Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, and it's the first day of the month of Cheshvan. And, and the month of Cheshvan, we know, is is not a super exciting month. There aren't uh, there aren't any holidays. Um, the symbol that they always use in every single you know Jewish school for like the calendar symbols are all going to be written on like raindrops. And it's going to be like, you know, but to, to understand that this is the place where we make our relationship real. This is, the, this is the month where we take our relationship with Hashem and we don't say we only can do it with bells and whistles. We can do it with a shofar and with a lullet and an estrog. We can have a relationship with Hashem when it's a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday, and then it's Shabbos. We can have a relationship with Hashem. We can build it. We can create our ark and we can be in a place of floating and being with Hashem. Um, and that's really, I think, what Hashem is. Hashem is that reminder that we need to have a relationship with Hashem that's regular, that gives us space to listen to our, so our small silent voice, that gives us a chance to have our daily routine and to be able to find Hashem in that space. So I want to give us a bracha that we actually look into that energy and we take Hashem and we really own our relationship with Hashem in a deep and a real manner awesome rest of the world.